Hey, everybody, Pastor David Holt here. At Living Hope Church, we want everybody to grow deep in Christ and in relationship with others. So I'm excited to announce our April and May Connect classes on Wednesday nights. You're going to hear from the leaders now. Great assortment of classes and topics. And remember, every Wednesday night, we also have a full children and youth ministry, so there's something for the entire family. Now listen, if you're still undecided after watching this, encourage you to go through Transformational Discipleship Module 1, which I'll be co-leading with Stephanie, because this is one of those groups we want everybody at some point in the church to grow, go through because it really grounds you in the basics. So watch this, pray about it, be led by the Holy Spirit, and register on our mobile app. I am excited about teaching a class on heaven. Uh, we're going to be talking about Randy Alcorn's book on heaven, and we're going to talk about John Burke's book on Imagine Heaven. And we're going to be talking about the things we do know, and we're going to speculate on the things that we don't know so that we can let God use our imaginations to build a picture for us. So remember what Colossians 3.2 said, put your mind on things above and not on the things on earth, and that's what we plan on doing, and you'll be joyful, and you'll be having a great time, and you'll look forward to seeing you there. Hi, I'm going to be teaching on the amazing Holy Spirit. We're going to start off talking about his characteristics and his attributes, the fact that he's been a part or is a part of our life with Christ from the moment we're saved throughout our transformation process. We're also going to talk about the battle of the flesh versus the spirit. And lastly, we're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. All of the gifts are given for the body of Christ with the exception of one gift that's for our own personal benefit and that's the gift of tongues and we're going to talk about those benefits as well. I hope you'll join us. So I'm excited about leading a group concerning the book that our pastor has written, Well Done. So who doesn't want to hear when we pass into eternity, Well Done, Good and Faithful Servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I want to hear that. I know you do too. So we're going to look at such topics as well done hearing God, passing tests, truth and grace, people skills, overcoming discouragement, being encouraged, evangelism, disciple making and leadership. So come on and join me and let's learn more about these topics. Hi everybody, I'm excited to talk to you about Transformational Discipleship Module 1. What the Transformational D Discipleship Modules mean to me is an extension of what Living Hope Church means to me. Although I was raised in church and received salvation in my 20s, there was so much about the character of God and the nature of salvation and my identity in Christ that I simply did not understand. So for years, I really struggled to be a Christian because as far as I was concerned, being a Christian meant trying to be on my best behavior at all times. When I came to Living Hope, I started to learn all of the information I had been missing and how to apply it to my life. And what the Transformational Discipleship Modules have done is give me the opportunity to come alongside a group of fellow believers and continue to learn and discuss who God is, what He has done for us and what He is still doing for us, and who and what we are in Christ because of Christ alone. This information has absolutely changed my walk with God because it has actually taught me how to have a relationship with Him. So I'm excited to share this with you.
Hey guys, this is Steve Holt, and we are so excited for the Whole Heart Advance coming up in Georgia. This is our second one we've done there. We've done four in Colorado, and every conference has been so powerful in helping men discover their masculine heart, discovering shame and brokenness to break through into new life that they have in Christ. And I would say that the theme of the Whole Heart Advance is loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Most men do not know how to do that. Most men are caught up in so many addictions and struggles that they're unaware of how much they're missing in the Christian life. So at the Whole Heart Advance, we're going to dive in to some stuff that is deep and vulnerable. But let me tell you, man, it'll set you free. And you wives out there, you need to encourage your men to come. Maybe you need to pay the way for them to come. They do that a lot at my church and the churches here in Colorado. I can't tell you how many men come because their wives kick them out of the house and make them come. So get kicked out of the house, ladies. Make it happen. And let's see these guys there. And I just can't tell you how excited we are to be in Georgia. We have actually a pretty good-sized team coming from Colorado to Georgia because everybody's so pumped and excited to be with you. So join us. If you're on the fence, ask your wife what you should do, and she'll tell you. God bless you guys. <laughs> By the way, you want to come to that, man, just to hear me tell some jokes on my brother. It's going to be fun. But uh, So the Connect Group start this week, and the Whole Heart Advance. Guys, there's a table outside today for questions and to sign up, and uh, we want every man in the church, if at all possible, to be a part of that weekend. It's coming up at the end of this month, so we're excited about that. All right, children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that door there. Again, kids don't have to go. We love kids in the service, but if you want your children to go to Children's Church, they're dismissed out that way. And let's turn in our Bibles to the book of 1 John chapter 3. Now today is one of those uh, messages where, uh, oh yes, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Just hold up your hand. A Bible will be brought to you. It's yours to keep if you need it. It's a good New Testament. One over here. So I just keep your hand up until they get to you. But this is one of those messages where we're going to do a deep dive. We're only going to take three verses. We're going to tear it apart because it is so meaty. It is so full of truth. And I pray today that the Holy Spirit gives you a hearing heart today. It's one thing, listen, to hear here. It's another to hear here. And Paul prayed in Ephesians that God would open the eyes of their heart. Do you know you have eyes in your heart? <laughs> you realize you have eyes in your heart and it's, it's the ability to see and hear and receive things that maybe your mind has but your heart hasn't and so today is one of those messages where I'm just praying with all my heart that you would have the eyes of your heart enlightened to hear and receive some amazingly encouraging truths today Listen, if you come out of today not encouraged, then you have been on another planet in the next 30 minutes. Because if you're here, I mean really here. Remember, remember on the Cosby show when he'd say, he'd say to his kids, now come here, here. You know, and they wouldn't move. And he, no, no, here. And he'd make his kids come right next to him. So you have not been here if you leave not encouraged today. Something else has been happening with you. So I'm excited. Let's stand together. First John chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. Say, so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. 
Beloved. Beloved. Remember the author of this never called himself by name in the Gospel of John. He always says, he referred to himself as what, Stephanie? You said it in the first service. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Beloved, we are God's children now. <laughs> Isn't that good? Say now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, say he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, say hopes in him, purifies himself as he is pure. Lord, we ask you now to anoint your word by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I do pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we would see things we've never seen before, respond as we've never responded, and our lives would be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, folks, you don't have to look around very much to, to discover that our world is in a mess today. There's wars and rumors of wars. Gas prices are off the planet. There's division in churches, there's division in politics, there's division in homes all over the place. There's addictions, there's immorality, there's confusion. There is all kinds of moral things being thrown at us from our world that can just put your head in a spin. But in the midst of all that, I am here to declare to you today that there is hope. And there is joy, and there is power, and there is victory. But the only place that you and I are going to find that is if we are solidly rooted in Jesus Christ. And today, John gives us some amazing truths from his word that are going to encourage us in this messed up world that we live in. And the first is this, God gives us his love. In verse 1 it says, see <laughs> what kind of love, and the word the love there in the Greek is agape. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. You see, God is love. We're going to learn that when we get to chapter 4. He cannot not love because he is, he is love by his nature and his essence. But this is beyond just that he is love. It says he's given us his love. His love is given to us. I mean, it's one thing for God to be loving and he could hold it all to himself. But he doesn't. He is not only a God who in his very essence is love, but he gives us his love. <laughs> He says, look, I want you to taste and see that I am good. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Today, God wants you to taste and see that he's good. He wants you to receive his love, believe his love, allow his love to come and flow in you and through you. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you give people today a revelation of your amazing love? So let's talk about what is this love like? See, the Father has given to us His love. So let's just unpack that for a minute. First of all, His love is personal. In other words, some of you, you know that God so loved the world, but do you know that God loves you? God loves you as an individual. He knows you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows when you rise and when you sit down. He knows a word before you even speak, as Psalm 139 says. He knew you before you were born. He designedly and sovereignly chose where you would be born, where you would live, Acts chapter 17, that you might seek him and find him, for he is not far from any of us. His love is personal. He loves you, Eric. He loves you, Chris. He loves you, Melissa. He loves you, Bill. He loves you, Carla. He loves you, Brian. He loves you. 
Put your name into John 3.16. For God so loved Stephanie that he gave his only son that if Stephanie would believe, she would not perish but have eternal life. Secondly, his love is unconditional. This means it's not conditioned upon your behavior. He doesn't love you more when you do good. He doesn't love you less when you do bad. It's not an I love you if you have your quiet time every day. It's not an I love you because you tithe. It's an I love you, period. (laughs) Now, does that mean he's always pleased with us? No. Any parent in the room knows what this is like. You're not always pleased with the behavior of your children. But you still love them, don't you? Well, that's just a taste of God's amazing love. He wants you to know it. It's to you. Thirdly, his love is inseparable. Romans chapter 8 says nothing can separate us from his love. Neither trial, nor tribulation, nor famine, nor persecution, nor peril, nor sword. Why does he list all those things in Romans 8? Because those are the things that, that cause us to question his love. When you fail a test, college students, oh, God doesn't love me. <laughs> or you get a disease, or your parents die, or you have a traffic accident. Isn't that when we're most vulnerable to the lives of the enemy? Satan will come in and he'll say, see, God doesn't love you. Look at that. Oh, everything, everybody else is doing great, and you're doing terrible. You lost your hope scholarship, and God doesn't love you anymore. But the Bible says, no, that's when you go back to truth. You stand on truth. You live by faith. You say, God, this stinks. I'm struggling. I'm frustrated. I don't feel like you love me. I feel like you've abandoned me. But I'm going to stand on your word. You say in your word, nothing can separate me from your love. So, God, I'm going to speak to my problems. I'm going to speak to the enemy. Those are lies of Satan. God, you love me, and I receive that, and I thank you. Help me be secure in that. That's how you have to live, folks. This is a battle every day. Satan comes to steal, kill, and... But Jesus came to give you life and life abundantly. And so you either believe the lies of the enemy or you believe the truth of God's Word. So it's inseparable. Next, it is sacrificial. Romans 5 and 8 says God demonstrates His own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sacrificed Himself. He shed His blood for you. He didn't just say he loved you, he demonstrated it. And I love the quote, if you want to know how much God loves you, just look at the outstretched arms of Jesus on the cross. Next, the Bible says that his love is transformational. 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, as we behold the glory of God, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next by his spirit. In other words, it's transformational in that it is not just something to be in your head, not just something that you can doctrinally articulate, not just something that you could even teach, but you are experiencing His love. And it transforms you from the inside out. You begin to receive it by faith. You begin to believe it. You stand on it. You say, God, I want to go deeper in your love. And what happens? As, as, as you behold His glory, you are being transformed. We love because He first loved us. And so it's as his love begins to come into your spirit and into your heart and into your soul, it transforms you. And then finally, his love is eternal. Oh no, there's another one. His love is multi-directional. What do we mean by that? Well, in Ephesians 3, Paul prays, God, I pray that you would help them grasp the height and depth and width and length of your love, which surpasses knowledge. See, this is ultimately something that surpasses knowledge. It's good to have knowledge. It starts here, but it doesn't end here. If you're going to truly experience God's love and it be transformational in your life, you need to understand that it, it, trans, it goes beyond knowledge. It's a heart issue. 
And so it, when we say multidirectional, it goes in every direction of your life. It's long enough to go throughout your entire life. It's high enough for every challenge you face. It's deep enough for every struggle you have and sin you commit. And it is as wide as the outstretched arms of Jesus. Finally, His love is eternal. It'll never end. It doesn't just last for a semester at UGA, students. It doesn't just last for this semester or next semester. It'll last for all of eternity. It'll last not only for your whole life, but it'll last forever and ever. For Jeremiah 31 and 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now look at that amazing list, and I could go on and on. But this is just a glimpse, just a taste of God's amazing love. And it says here in verse 1, see what kind of love. See, we need to see what kind of love the Father has given to us. And then later he says, beloved meaning that it is something for you and I to experience. You know, the beautiful thing about God's love is no one can love you like God. Look, I've got an incredible heavenly, I've got an incredible earthly father, but God's even better. I've got an incredible wife, but God's even better. Because no one, no matter how good they are, can love you like God does. And that's why the most important and the deepest relationship in your life needs to be that of your relationship with your creator God. The book of Hosea is a, such a wonderful picture of the love of God. I preached through the book of Hosea two years ago where God commands Hosea, a prophet, to marry a prostitute. And he tells him, this is going to be like my love for Israel, my people. And when you marry her, Hosea, she's not going to be faithful. How would you like to have that assignment, guys? Anybody want to volunteer for that one? God says, hey, I've got an assignment. You're going to go and marry a prostitute, and she's not going to be faithful to you, but you're to stay faithful to her. Form a line. <laughs> Don't think we'd have many volunteers for that one. It's the only time in the Bible that God ever called somebody to do this. Praise God. It was only a one-time calling. But he called Hosea to marry a prostitute, and he told him ahead of time she's not going to be faithful. She's going to drift. She's going to be unfaithful. She's going to commit adultery. But you are to stay faithful to her because that is my picture of my relationship with my people. I am married to my bride, the church. And though she strays, and though she fails, and though she falls, I stay committed to her. Hallelujah. That's the amazing love of God, folks. Now, because of this great love, it leads to our next point. Because of His great love, He sends His Son Jesus to shed His blood so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to Him. When that occurs, you become what the Bible calls a child of of God. Number two, we are children of God. See what the passage says, verse one, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. And I love how this is written. Don't miss this. This is why we are going on a deep dive today. These are phrases that we must camp out on, that you should be called children of God, and so we are. Did you catch that? We are, we are not just called children of God, we are children of God. It is the very essence of our identity. You see, we can call somebody something, but it's not really who they are. But God not only calls us children of God, we are children of God. See, I can say to my four-year-old grandson who's just starting to, 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 to kind of start to swing a bat, you know the whole t-ball thing? You know, you put it there, and they swing, and they swing, and then after about a million swings, they finally hit it. And, and so I, I could say to Carter, my four-year-old grandson, Carter, you're like a major leaguer, buddy. You're such a big young man. You're like a major leaguer. Well, is that true? No. <laughs> I'm calling him a major leaguer, but he ain't close to a major leaguer. And I love the way here God says, you're not only called a child of God, you are. 
This is who you are. You're a child of the living God. Say, child of God. Child of the King. Okay, now let's unpack this because our world doesn't get this right and many Christians don't get this right. It is a common fallacy. Even Christians will say, well, everybody's a child of God. You ever heard that? We're all children of God. Now, I want to give a little grace here because I understand that when people say that, they probably mean we're all created in the image of God. True, whether saved or not. But let's be biblically accurate. Are all people on planet Earth today children of God? No. In John 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become a child of God. Now go down to verse 10 in our passage. Very interesting. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the what? Devil. Oh. Listen, you're either a child of God, according to the Bible, or a child of the devil. Did you know that all non-Christians are demon-possessed? Now, does that mean that they're like the Gadarene demoniac, you know, breaking chains and foaming at the mouth? No. But did what I just say, is it accurate? Possessed means owned. You're either owned by God or you're owned by the devil. Look, if you want mamsy-pamsy feel-good sermons, this is not the church for you. Okay? But we seek to speak the truth in love. And this is what the Bible says. Look at verse 10. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. Now, Colossians 1 verse 13 supports this as well, where it says that when you get saved, I love this description, you are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So if you're not in Christ, you're in the enemy's camp. You're owned or possessed by the devil. This is why we need to take evangelism seriously. It's why we need to pray for non-believers because 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says that the, the, the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers that they not see the light of the glory of the gospel. So let's talk about what does it mean to be a true child of God? First of all, you've got to be saved. And we've already unpacked that. Second of all is the picture of adoption. And I love this picture in the Bible. It's in... It's in Romans 8, Galatians 4, and Ephesians 1. Romans 8, Galatians 4, Ephesians 1. Look at those on your own today because it describes being adopted. And one of them actually kind of has this description like I've often shared here where a child is in, is in an adoption agency, let's say, and it's owned by Satan. And every child in that adoption agency is owned by the devil. They're in the kingdom of darkness, Colossians 1.13. And God says, I want Jeff. I want to adopt Jeff. What's the price that I have to pay to adopt Jeff? It's the blood of your son. I'll pay it. And God pays for Jeff's adoption by the blood of his son. And he goes into that place and he takes Jeff out of the kingdom of darkness and he adopts him into his family. Now, my oldest son, Michael, and his wife, Catherine, have adopted an eight-year-old girl. And I've told this story before, but many of you may not have been here. 
It is an amazing picture of our adoption by God. Because, first of all, they had to pay some serious cash <laughs> to do this. It's not a cheap thing. Anybody that's adopted a child, you know it's not a cheap thing. Especially if you get them from another country. It took the judge declaring this a legal decree. God declares us legally, spiritually, permanently adopted by Him. Hallelujah. Now, the interesting thing, and I never knew this until my son went through this process. Some of you may know this, some of you may not, but it is amazing. When, a child, when, when Kylie was adopted, she got a new social security number, a new name, and a new birth certificate. It's amazing. There is nothing legally that can trace her back to her blood parents. It's awesome. Nothing that you could legally trace her back to her former life. Oh, what a picture of our identity in Christ. You may go chase your past. The devil may bring up your past, but God says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have a new name. You have a new name. You have a new nature. You have a new father. You have a new family. You are new in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we have to believe this. This is why I love what Stephanie said in the video. How learning her identity in Christ in Transformational Discipleship Module 1 has had such an impact. Because listen, knowing God is the first and most important thing. Knowing the gospel and Jesus is the second most important. The third most important is knowing who you are in Christ. If you get it right on God and you get it right on the gospel and you get it right on your identity, you're going to live a victorious, joyful life. Does it mean you're not going to have troubles? Not at all. And we're about to get to that. Yes, you will. So you also get a new father. A child of God means you're saved, you're adopted, and you're fathered. God is your father. You're his child. And I know that some of you have had difficult relationships with your earthly father, and I am deeply sorry for that. I have been incredibly blessed to have an amazing earthly father, Joe Holt. Almost every Father's Day, I write this on his card. Dad, thank you for helping me see God more accurately because of the loving earthly father you were. Thank you for helping me see God as my heavenly father because of what an amazing earthly father you've been. For those of you that haven't had that model, it's more difficult because you tend to view God like you view your earthly father. But I want to give you hope today. Because some of you that have had difficult earthly fathers, you actually can go past me in seeing God as Father. You say, what? You just talked about how easy it's been for you to see God as Father because of your earthly father. Yes, but here's what God is so good at, is redeeming the negative and turning it into a positive. Because some of you that have had bad earthly fathers, you actually can grasp hold of something about God different than your earthly father that could actually take you deeper than I've been able to go. Because you have had such a poor model and you've had to overcome things, but God comes in and He shows you He will not abuse you. He will not abandon you. He will provide for you. He will continue to love you regardless of your behavior. He will discipline you, but do it with kindness and grace and love. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, what a wonderful Father. We have. And remember in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven. And Galatians 4 says, because, we've been, because we have the spirit of adoption, we can cry, Abba, 
father. And that word is in the Aramaic and it means daddy. It's the most intimate term you could call a father, daddy. I love praying with Steve Pierce because he, he addresses God as Abba every time he prays. Abba, daddy. Finally, you have a family. Oh, there's two more. When you're a child of God, you not only have this wonderful relationship with God, but you're brought into the family of God. That's called the church, the bride of Christ. And then finally, it means he wants us to grow. And we saw that in chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. Child, young man, father. So he wants you to grow from a spiritual infant to a spiritual teenager to a spiritual 30-year-old to a spiritual adult who has children. And so that's some of what it means to be a child of God. Do you know today that you're a child of God? Are you experiencing some of these components of being a child of God? Now, because we're children of God, how does it go with fitting into the world? Hmm. Not real well, does it? And so how appropriate that the next part of verse 1, he says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Point number three, don't expect to fit into the world. And then go down to chapter 3, verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that's family, that the world hates you. Wow. You know, I love the honesty of the Bible. Because a lot of people, in their, especially in their early Christian years, if they're not discipled, and told this, then they think something's wrong because they're not fitting in with the world and, they're, and, and they don't like conflict and they want everybody to like them. And so they, 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 they do what's called straddling the fence. You ever know anybody straddle the fence? I mean, they're one thing on Sunday and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily a true hypocrite as Jesus talked about. They really love God and they want to follow God and, and they love what they experience in, in, with the body of Christ. But then... Monday they step into the world and all of a sudden there's the pressures and, the, and, and all the stuff that comes with that and people are using terrible language so they just start cussing and, and, and then everybody goes out and gets drunk after work or has a more, few more than they should and so you know they're, they're this way at their Bible study but they're this way during the week and it's just this, they're really straddling the fence. And Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. First Peter 2 says that we are aliens and strangers in this world. In other words, this is not our home. We're, we shouldn't feel like it's our home. Aliens and strangers, like an international student. Any international students here? You're at UGA from another country? All right. It's hard. You know, you come to a weird U.S. and it's one thing to try to learn English, isn't it? It's another to learn Southern English. I mean, goodness gracious. English is hard enough if they speak it right. And then we just, you know, we slur these words and we use all these abbreviations and stuff. I don't know how you do it. It's amazing. I, my deep respect for anybody that has come to this country and has to learn a, our crazy language. We should not be at home here. We are not at home here. And the more we follow Jesus and love Jesus, the less we're going to feel at home here. So you have this conflict. The Bible says... Don't love the world or the things in the world. Shannon preached on that. In Romans 12, don't conform to this world. Now listen, this doesn't mean that we are not to be engaged in the world. And here's the tension. We are to be engaged in the world. We are to be salt and light. We are to be sharing our faith and, 
and engaging with people and learning apologetics like Rich and I did yesterday. Great group of people. Man, those of you that came yesterday, great time. Learn to defend your faith and articulate your faith. I think believers ought to be on school boards and running for political office and being agents of change in this wicked world. And so the tension is this, and this is a very biblical phrase, you are to be in the world, but not of the world. And as followers of Jesus, we come under God's authority and God's standards. Okay, I know it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Just hang on, I love you. The Bible says that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. So as followers of Jesus, I deny myself, listen, I deny myself the authority to decide truth and morals. I deny myself the authority to decide morals and truth. So even though the world might say gay lifestyle's fine, God doesn't. Even though the world says getting drunk's fine, God doesn't. Even though the world says premarital sex is okay, God doesn't. Even though the world says abortion's okay, God doesn't. So part of being a follower of Jesus is I deny myself the ability to be the final authority. God's the final authority. He decides truth and morality. But the beauty of this is when, even as a believer, there's a struggle, and we all have it. As believers, we're tempted. As believers, we slip and fall and drift. The good news today, again, we go back to point one, God's love is still there. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't forsake you. And the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit is that which helps you overcome these challenges and the support of the body of Christ because we're not made to do it alone. All right. Now, before I give you point four, let's look at the verse that it's based on. Verse two says, Beloved, again, reinforcing point one, we are God's children now, reinforcing point two, and what we will be has not yet appeared. In other words, we don't know everything about our future. I don't know where I'm going to be at a month from now or two months from now or three years from now. But we do know that when he appears, hallelujah, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So there's something I'm not sure about. That's the future on earth. But there's something I can be sure about, and that is my future with God when he comes back. So... 1 Corinthians 15, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable. and We shall all be changed. Point number four, this is great news, folks. One day we're going to receive a glorified body. That's what this is teaching. This is teaching that doctrine called glorification. There's sanctification, salvation. There's, there's justification, salvation. There's sanctification, salvation. And there's glorification, salvation. Justification, salvation is what's happened the moment you're born again. You become a child of God. You are declared righteous in the sight of God. You are justified by faith. That happens at one point and it's sealed. Sanctification, salvation is what we're experiencing right now. We're growing. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're maturing in Christ. Glorification, salvation is when Jesus Christ comes back and you get your glorified body. And that body is perfect, incapable of sinning, and incapable of any disease or sickness. Hallelujah be to God. In the great book by Wayne Grudem called Bible Doctrine, 
So it's a little reduced version of systematic theology. He talks in there about glorification. Now, I do need to say that I misspoke about something last Sunday in the first service. In first service last week during the Q&A time, somebody asked, when do we get our glorified bodies? And I said, at the new heaven and the new earth. I was wrong. Somebody brought to my attention, I appreciate it, and I read the whole chapter last night to just check on it, that it's actually, we get it when Christ returns to set up his 1,000-year millennial reign. I'm a premillennialist, that's different than tribulation, premillennial, that Jesus is going to physically come back, set up a 1,000-year reign on earth, talked about in Revelation 20, there are some that are amill, I don't agree with that view, but in Revelation 20 verse 4 it says, they came to life and reigned with Christ for 1,000 years. So based on Revelation 20 verse 4, we receive our new bodies when Christ returns and we reign with him during the thousand-year millennial reign spoken of in Revelation 20. Now finally today, what should be the result of all of these amazing truths? I have given you from God's word today some amazing truths that are for now and for the not yet. <laughs> and what should be the what should how, how should this affect us? Well, it says in verse 3, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Final point today, we are to walk in hope and purity. Boy, do we need hope today, don't we? So much bad news, so much that can pull us down. So many struggling, discouraged, faint-hearted, fearful. Because of all the trends in the world. In John 16, 32, Jesus said, In this world you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So what is hope? Hope is the confident expectation of what is to come. And you know what's good about that? When we often think of a definition like that, it's you're thinking of just that glorification thing that I just preached. No, it's more than that. Listen, hope is the confident expectation of what's going to come a second from now. <laughs> uh, an hour from now. A day from now, a month from now, a year from now. It's the confident expectation that whatever I face in the future, God is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. His love is everlasting. His power and His presence can sustain me and help me no matter what I face. Beloved, His promises are yes and amen. That we can have a confident expectation of what is to come, not only on earth, but in the future called heaven because of how faithful and good He is and how His word is true. Now, there's a little phrase here that's also significant. Hope in hope in him oh oh don't miss that it's not hope in who's in washington it's not hope in who wins the midterm elections it's not hope in the supreme court justices it's not hope in the gas prices coming down it's not hope in my salary it's not hope in my degree it's hope in jesus hallelujah Woo! This is why the Bible says, fix your eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is why Matthew 6 and 33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. This is why Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Beloved, put your hope in Him. Put your hope in Him. Don't put your hope in all those other things that change 
and those shifting shadows and things that we can't count on, but we can count on Jesus. And finally, he says that we are to purify. If you put your hope in him, you'll purify your, himself as he is pure. Now, this doesn't mean that you purify yourself by doing good works. The key there is as he is pure. How is Jesus pure? By the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't live a holy, righteous life to gain salvation. We don't live a holy, righteous life to get him to love us more. We don't live a holy, righteous life to get a better standing in heaven. We live a holy, righteous life because we love the one who loved us. We live a holy life because we are already holy in our identity. We live a holy life in and through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We live a holy life to please the one who gave his all for us. So what have we learned today? We've learned that God gives us his amazing love. That if you're born again, you're a child of God. Don't expect to fit into the world. This is not our true home. Praise God we're going to one day receive a glorified body. Because of all this, we are to walk in hope and purity. I'd like to ask the worship team to come up, please. And here's what I want to do instead of Q&A today. I want to just walk us through about five minutes of guided prayer. We just invite the Holy Spirit to maybe make today's points even more personal to you. So I want you to try to create a sanctuary in your own heart right now. Those of you at home, I encourage you watching to find a place where maybe you can just have as little distraction as possible. And those of you in the room, if you want to move to a different row or seat or even to kneel here at the front, feel free to just move to a place right now where you can just really lock into the Lord. I'll give you just a second if you want to go to a different spot in the room. Many in first service went to the back wall over here or over there. Because I'm just going to guide you now in a time where we invite the Holy Spirit to, to make this very, very personal to you. I'm not going to try to create any experience, but I, I want to create room for God to maybe do something kind of supernatural. So get your spot where you can really be locked into the Lord right now. Lord, we just invite you now to come and make this time very personal. And I pray that every person in this room and watching, their spiritual antenna will be raised really high so they can, they can be tuned into you. I want to bind the evil one in the name of the Lord Jesus. I bind Satan and any distracting demonic spirits that would try to interfere. Lord, put your angels around this room and building right now to protect from interference. I just pray for every person now to be able to, to just have a real sweet time with you. But first of all, I want to give opportunity for anybody that needs to receive Christ. Maybe you're not certain that you've opened the door of your heart and, and received him in your life. I sense that there's some of you that have cracked the door, and that's good. You've been open, you've been receptive, but the door's cracked, it's not been opened. Jesus is still knocking. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship or eat with him. You know what he does? He comes in. He doesn't come in and just totally rearrange a room overnight. <laughs> That's a process. He comes in to sit down and have a meal with you. 
He just wants you to know him better. He wants to love on you. Some of you maybe right now just say, Lord, I open the door of my life. God, I open the door of my life. Come in, take control. Now let's just look at that topic of love. How about right now, just take a moment. Just say, God, I receive your love. I may not feel it, but I want to receive your love. Help me receive it. God, I open my heart to receive your love. Holy Spirit, come right now, I pray. Help people to have an encounter with your love. Open your heart to the Lord. He may give you an image, a picture, a vision. Receive the love of God. It's not about you. It's about Him. Receive His love. now I pray for special revelation of what it means that we're a child of yours and you're our father just picture yourself as as a child of God just bask in that amazing truth he's your father you're his child struggling with that issue of being in the world but not of it maybe there's something today about that that you need to just surrender hand over to God yield to Him just give you something that would encourage you and give you hope today. Oh God, you're the God of all hope and I pray now that you'll move in this room and give people truth and images and pictures that would just give them great hope about their future.
God, we thank you today for who you are, what you have done for us, and what you are doing in us right now. God, we accept your truth about our identity. We thank you that you are faithful, that we can trust you for every day. And God, I pray for anybody in the room today that has a particular area of struggle. In the name of Jesus, God, I ask that today would be a breakthrough day. A day where you do something in them or through them or upon them that leads to breakthrough. And I don't even know how to define breakthrough for them. But I pray and I speak in Jesus' name, breakthrough for those who might be up against a barrier that seems insurmountable. But God, your word says that you are greater than any challenge we face. So we praise you, we love you, we trust you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Prayer team, if you would take your places, be available to pray with anybody that needs it. The altar's open for you just to pray individually as we sing a final song.